You're listening to The Elephant Test. We're dedicated to the B2B marketing community and here to explore the practices, thoughts, and ideas of effective B2B marketing executives. Hi, this is Sky Cassidy and Alicia Garvalia. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us for The Elephant Test. Today, we'll be talking about hiring the right team for your marketing department. To give you some insight on the subject, we're joined by Jamie Crosby. She's an author, speaker, and expert in peak performance mindset. Jamie has 20 years of experience in leadership and talent acquisition. She founded Proactivate over 12 years ago, where she helps to find high-level talent from marketing and sales teams and trains professionals all over the U.S. in peak performance mindset. Thanks for uh, joining us today, uh, all the listeners, and uh, Jamie as well. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yes, my pleasure. So, Jamie, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in marketing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I started my career actually in a leadership development program and knew I wanted to be a part of an entrepreneurial company at some point and be a leader within an organization and truly run my own business someday. So I knew for that, that I would need to have a great understanding of sales, of marketing, of running, you know, all aspects of an organization, the financial piece, the the talent piece. And so intentionally early on in my career, I targeted the staffing industry because I knew there was a lot of young success, a lot of growth and a lot of exposure into all areas of an organization. And, and from that experience, I quickly grew into leadership running uh, both sales operations and marketing within this staffing firm and eventually got recruited uh, to Dallas about 20 years ago and then found myself at a very entrepreneurial organization. I was VP of sales and VP of training and development for Career Builder, and that was truly running your own company, a piece of your own company. Mm-hmm. And so it, I had the experience at Career Builder of, of leading the sales organization. We had a marketing department as well. And interestingly enough, uh, we really somewhat separated out our true marketing within the sales organization. So the marketing department in and of itself was more branding versus lead gen and, uh-huh. uh, you know, truly marketing for the sales organization. So I, I saw that disconnect there where sales didn't interact and strategize as much with marketing, even at an executive level. So give me and, a, a little more so, context. What, uh, what, what year are we talking about here with the sales <laughs> kind of being separate? Well, oh gosh, yeah, that's a great question. So I was there for five years and I've had my own business now for 13. So we're talking, you know, 15, 18 years ago. And, okay, so that I, time I don't frame. blame them much. Then. I mean, back then it wasn't as easy for sales and market to kind of integrate exactly. together. So. Exactly. I think it's still a problem that we have today, though, in many yeah, companies. Yeah. If it was two so. years ago, though, that would be a red flag. It would be a huge flag, yes. I mean, truly, back then, our marketing department was planning, you know, the ads, the monkey ads that Career Builder had for the Super Bowl game and radio and things like that, which is great. But it was more about, yeah, it was absolutely more separate. And today it looks so different. So I got into business, and just to answer your original question, in that way, I mean, just into sales and marketing leadership and had really someone on our team within the sales team that was more marketing-driven 
and 13 years ago decided to start Proactivate, my own business. And, uh, you know, today I'm very, very much um, into other organizations in regard to helping them really get the best of the best talent for marketing and for sales and, and leadership roles in those areas as well. So just kind of finding and developing the right people for both the sales and the marketing. Exactly, exactly. Well, I know that, um, you know, as a young uh, manager in a marketing department, um, I, I run the marketing department and I know that I struggle as I'm sure a lot of marketing managers do or marketing directors or marketing VPs in hiring and that's kind of what you um, – are an expert in, right, is, is being able to kind of suss out and find those uh, gems. And I know that we get, oh gosh, how many, I don't even know how many re- resumes we get, ranging from some that look really great and overqualified to some that look, you know, completely underqualified and don't know how to spell. So can you take me through what the process is when you are uh, trying to help a company develop their team and uh, starting with the hiring process? Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, – If I can add, Jamie. Yeah, do. Part of that question, what, like, what size and kind of companies are you typically working with when you're helping develop their team? So is it usually smaller companies that need some expertise in hiring or larger companies that just need – you know, they need a volume of hiring and they want to offload or is it a combination – you know what? It's it's truly a combination, but it's more in the middle. It's more medium-sized businesses. And I'll tell you, we absolutely help small organizations who are trying to grow and or maybe just have a one-off need for a leader in sales or marketing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But the I would say the sweet spot for us is more that medium-sized company. The larger companies typically uh, – are utilize our services for a challenging role or challenging market, but typically have inside resources. So the mid market, uh, those medium sized growth organizations are our sweet spot. So the large ones, when they like the scene in the movie, when they need the best, they go to you and yeah. we need the who's we need the best. Go find them in the mountains. Exactly, somewhere. exactly. But when it's just the yes, them. yes. That is that is true, and uh, you know, truly, uh, sales and marketing organizations, HR does not speak their language typically, right? And, right. And so it's a challenge for them to go internally, and they they may go internally, but when you're looking for top people in sales and marketing, you're looking for people working and winning, who are doing well, who are currently, you know, employed, hitting the targets, hitting the ratios, hitting the metrics. And they're not looking. And so the conversations, it takes sales and marketing people to find good sales and marketing people. It it doesn't typically take HR and it's got to be, it's a totally different process. I know I've made the mistake either way of when I've been either, um, when I've been interviewing previously, I've made the mistake of thinking I was talking to a marketer and it turns out I was talking to an HR person and it's like, oh, you don't know what I just said. Okay. Um, This isn't maybe that useful to you. Or actually, I've also done the reverse and thinking that I was talking to an HR and it turns out I was talking to a marketing person and it totally offended them. So (laughs) that's been fun. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. I actually, I have a funny story about that. I remember being at Career Builder trying to target this great 
person. Finally got the person hired. I'm now doing a training for the company. They're in the training class. And Mm -hmm. HR was calling them in the middle of the training class, still trying to schedule like the first interview. Uh, That's so funny. (laughs) But it's so, but when they connect with the leadership and they can speak their language, it's so different than that other conversation and no disrespect to HR at all. I mean, there's a great purpose obviously for HR within the companies, but it's not typically to find those people that are, you know, the all-stars because they don't have time to, to do what it takes to court those people. So, do you – I mean, we, we talked about obviously you definitely can hire these, uh, you know, really high-level talents. Are you and or your methods uh, cross-applicable to hiring, you know, just your average uh, marketing assistant or – Yes. I mean, our process is is very much customized to the specific position that we're working on. We specialize in sales and marketing. And, and frankly, it's because most – firms don't um, and don't know how to and mm-hmm. you know I naturally that's my background I came from that I speak the language and we and those are areas of a company that that you have to I mean they're the lifeblood of companies you have to have that talent shored up to achieve and exceed results uh, so we specialize in in sales and marketing at any level it could be entry level all the way up to executive level well that makes a lot of sense that's neat yeah i think uh something you mentioned earlier that uh kind of clicked with me i do see companies trying to have the hr hire people and i don't i think we're safe with no hr people listening if you are just kind of mute it for a minute yeah <laughs> We love our HR people. Come on. Uh, we love them for what they're for, but HR is good on the paperwork and the technicalities. But if you're hiring talent, you have to hire people. You have to use people that know that space. I mean, you're hiring technical people. A technical person has to interview them because HR is not going to understand if they know how to code or not. Marketing has to be hired by marketing. Yeah. The actual finding of talent has to be done by people who are familiar with those talents and you know, HR is familiar with a lot of other necessary things and little, uh, you know, legal things and I'm sure wonderful stuff that I don't know about because I'm not in HR. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you if you leave them to hire some uh, some talented or even low level sales, marketing people, stuff like that, it seems like it would be a disaster. I feel like the yeah. best use for HR is to vet the like you know like first level like you want your first round of interviews, at least on a lower level, maybe not on a high level, but like first round of interviews to be with HR and they can like get the crazies out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just it's good for screening. Um, And honestly, if you have positions like you're talking about that are coding, you know, where it's technical or it's just black and white, there's very much a science to it. Then, then they're great at looking at that and saying yes, no, yes, no. But when it yeah. comes to sales and marketing, there's an art and a science to finding great talent. And there's there's a piece of it that's so objective that you really have to understand it to be able to find that yeah. all-star. Yeah, I would definitely say that that's true in marketing as well, that there's also an art and a science in marketing and that it's joining the two and finding someone who balances that out. So in order to find that, obviously, I guess you would need to use both art and science. So that makes sense to me. So jumping into it, Jamie, you want to – somebody – let's say we have a company, they want to build a B2B marketing team and they have you come in um, and – 
work on that form? What, how would you start? What would you do? What, what are the steps kind of? So what we do in that regard is our first step is they have a dedicated talent manager on our team who's specialized in their industry. And of course, they're all specialized in marketing. And so in that sense, we, we assign their dedicated talent manager. And our first step in our process is an implementation meeting where we really work with them to help identify the ideal candidate profile. So we ask them questions. They don't you know, have to have it all figured out. We ask them questions to consult with them to build that profile. As well, if they have anyone in the role currently that they want to emulate, we'll interview that person so we can build that into the profile. From there, we create a customized recruiting strategy based on finding those types of individuals. And, you know, we talked about finding people that are currently employed, that are doing well, that are working and winning. And so our, our thought process on that is to go where those people go, right? And to so advertise in place. Not Craigslist. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, we are not looking on Craigslist and um, Facebook. I mean, they might be on Facebook, but I'm sure they are, but it would be very hard to find. But yeah, no, Craigslist is not, uh, and it's funny, people do look there. I, I can't believe sometimes when I talk to leaders and they say, oh yeah, well, we were looking on Craigslist, but we're just not finding the right people. I'm like, no, you're not. You're finding the less than five percent that's unemployed people yeah, in first sales right yeah and they're no, available you know, for a reason is something yeah people say. Well, exactly. I'm like, why are you on Craig? like i mean i'm not on craigslist unless i'm looking for a couch you know like i'm <laughs> i'm employed <laughs> right now this is the person sitting home in their pajamas right now <laughs> right yeah shopping uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, our what we do from after the implementation, and we send them back the the profile for their approval is create a customized recruiting strategy that's based on finding those people out in the marketplace where they currently are. Meaning, where are they? What types of networking events are they at? What types of trade shows are they at? And what types of you know marketing sites or blogs or things like that do they read? Are they are they on Marketing Sherpa or you know HubSpot or Moz or just, you know, right. the insidesales.com, whatever, and, and looking for, you know, business acumen or leads and how do we capture them there or mm. what types of organizations do they work for? Of course, we have a, a huge network um, of which do referral campaigns or just to get to top performers, we direct source. So those are some of the strategies, and but we customize it based on the level of the role, the industry and all of that. And then... So Oh, go ahead, please. So you advertise on these sites, which makes perfect sense to me. Then do you also post on any job boards? You know, we every now and then will um, post on a, a industry-specific or, you know, sales or marketing-specific job board. Mm -hmm. But it honestly does not typically lead us to the candidates. It's more for referrals. It's more... Okay. Yes. So, and again, every now and then there's an exception, but mm -hmm. it, it typically you're going to people who, well, let's just say this at career builder, I had to use recruiters because it was hard to find top performing salespeople online. 
Mm. Right. If they were performing, because, their company is not letting them go. Well, especially well, or they're not looking, right? They're not ago. looking at. They're not posting their resumes for sure. Right. They are. They're yeah, doing the well. So the number one <laughs> right. question would be, why are you available? Please tell me your company burnt to the ground or something. <laughs> what What are you doing available that should make us want to hire you? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Because you don't want them. I mean, we what we're looking to do for companies is bring them top performers that are not on the market. Right. That we are courting for them. So when we work with a company on a role, we guarantee them three qualified interviews that match their ideal candidate profile within a few weeks maximum. Mm. So after we create this recruiting strategy, we go to market and we talk with a lot more than that to bring them the best of the best, but they have to go through a very in-depth qualification process with us that's customized for that specific role. And and because of how in-depth we're qualifying them, our ratios, if there's only one opening, suggests one out of three are hired and often they end up hiring more. Oh, interesting. So for B2B marketing team, back to that, you're, you're, you've, you've gone out there, you've identified the kind of person this, uh, you know, acne company wants, let's say, um, and uh, that, that they want. But what is it that you guys are looking for? Kind of right. Look for a person. What makes a good B2B marketer, I guess, versus a uh, somebody that you don't want to have hired B2B marketer? Who's making that top three spot? based on your criteria, not, not just theirs, but not sure just, you have yeah. a lot of kind of experience in identifying who's going to be successful in general. Right. I mean, not like, yes. you know, we, we obviously need specific skills, you know, be it content marketing or whatever it is, and that's going to be different for each role. But what are the telltale signs that these are going to be a good employees and work hard for us and, and have their heads on straight. Basically, what should all the listeners be uh, yeah. to uh, improve? <laughs> well, and so there's there's a couple parts to this. And you're absolutely right that there, no matter what their job description says, there are some definite generalities that are more the art of it versus the science. Usually their job description, of course, culture is a huge piece and that's the art of it too. Mm. But, and we're, we're definitely qualifying for that. But beyond that, it's typically, they have to have these skill sets, right? And, and certainly there's, there are two components to our qualification process and sometimes, um, well, actually three components really, but the first two components are the skill set component and culture again just assume that we've already qualified for that mm-hmm. and, but the skill set component is exactly what you're talking about right i mean right. you know it, it depends on the specific role but um, what types of sales and marketing you know automation experience or content marketing or you know just we're we're talking about there can they do the job right like can they even do the job um, and then will they do the job? And so you're looking, and then how will they fit in? And so that's that's one component, which is just that skill set piece, and we can certainly dig deeper into that. But one of the first questions in that area is just tell me how you became interested in marketing and how you got started. And that's just such a, a good first general question because you can really kind of separate people who fell into it or for candidates who really pursued a business or economics or marketing or, you know, some sort of a similar degree and, you know, specifically are targeting these types of roles. And, right. and, and so kind of more general questions to get into the beginning piece. Like I, one, one question that I really like too is, 
what do you believe are the top three marketing challenges today? Mm. Um, and, you know, you're just kind of looking overall for their depth of knowledge, for answers that, that talk about challenges like sales and marketing collaboration or sales and marketing automation or the metrics of which they're measured by uh, social marketing, you know, just just qualified lead gen, things like that, where they really have an overall understanding um, that they understand the big picture and then they know why it's important. But we could go on and on about the skill set piece and, and really right. like have, a basic have lots level of questions. Of but, no, but I love yeah, what but you just the art. said. Oh. Go ahead, go ahead. Understanding the big picture to me is like that's a huge asset to be able to bring in and have to to, to understand that you know what you're getting into. And I think that's a really big key because, you know, people do still lie on applications. And so – Oh, my gosh, yeah. Right. And so they can, you know, and they can fake work. Right. They can HR, fake – That's why HR can't do the interviews. Yes. Well, you're absolutely right because they don't uh, – you know, HR is not oriented to even think like that. But the truth is marketing and salespeople – are, they know how to market and sell themselves. They say, should. They better. Hook them up to a lie detector test or something. Right. Right. You guys... have to. This is why we spend an hour and a half qualifying these people before we ever submit them. Mm. They're it's bad at sales. They're from... still good at selling themselves. Yes. Yes. And I mean, marketers. Yeah. Right, right. And most talent firms are spending, you know, 20 minutes doing phone screens and shooting over resumes. It does not work for marketing. It does not work for sales. Hmm. You have to dig under the surface. You're not just asking the first level question. You're asking the impact and the why and the tell me more and digging beyond under the surface because you, you've got to get to the real story, the real metrics, the real results. And So you and, chose, Jamie, you chose the most difficult type of people yeah. to hire for your business. You said, yes. I'm going to take the most difficult challenge in hiring from uh, from companies and help them with that. But that's what people need. It makes sense. Well, that's what people need and no one does it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying there's no one that does it, but truly it, you are hard pressed to find uh, talent acquisition firms that, that even touch this area or, or some that touch the area are generalists and, you know, they might like, oh, sure, we could do that too. But you can't do this well unless you specialize in it. But frankly, I like dealing with marketing people. It's just fun. And I, it's fun to talk to those types of leaders. I would much prefer that. I'm, I'm more oriented in that way. Um, but the other piece I will tell you guys to, to that well, question in regards to Yes, I'm fun. We like and I want fun to people. Yeah. <laughs> I do not want to talk to boring people. Um, <laughs> So yes, I, you know you want you want people like you. Right? But back to the yeah. questions thing. I mean, one, I'm not a professional interviewer by any means, but one of the things I've learned to look for always in an interview is just to try to find out if the person I'm interviewing, um, whatever the position is, if they think about what their position is. And I think you were you were going that direction, kind of yeah. what you were talking about. Not just do they have the technical skills, do they know this stuff, but do they think about it beyond just, yes, I can technically set this up and do it? You know, are, are they going to solve problems that are already solved or do they just learn how to run a system and then run it kind of? You are so right. And that's the thing. I mean, you, you can find out those things by asking, like, what do they do to improve their business acumen? What types of blogs are they reading? What are they, what books are they reading in regard to this? Is this just a job or are they truly passionate about it? 
right? And then, and, and we do behavioral-based interviewing, problem solving, you just mentioned, that's a really important piece. And you don't want to just, you can't ask people, do you problem solve well, right? Like you have right. to say, tell me about a time that you had a really challenging situation with, you know, a customer or a leader internally or whatever it is. And how did you resolve that? And, and so it's behavioral-based interviewing, you know, past success indicates future mm-hmm. and past performance indicates future performance. So how do you, how you want stories, you want to understand right. what they've done, but even more importantly, so I, I, you know, I started by sharing just a couple of quick questions that we might utilize from the, the skill set component, a huge piece of our qualification process. And guys, this is so important because this is one that most people are missing for any role in any company all the time. And it's critical for marketing people and is mindset. One huge component of our interview process is mindset driven because 80% of success in marketing roles is based on mindset. It is not just skill set. You have to have the skill set, no doubt. But 80% of people's success, really in any type of role, but since we're talking marketing and that's what we specialize in, is based on mindset. And these are the things that you can't define, right? It's that it factor, that fire in the belly, that commitment to excellence. And, and so if you don't have a very intentional, specific interview process around those characteristics, those key components of mindset, you miss the boat on the whole art of the interview process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was interviewing somebody for our marketing once, and uh, during the interview, uh, there was a campaign we had posted on the wall that we're kind of tossing around. Ah. And now after <laughs> this after is me, he's talking about me. <laughs> Throw me under the bus. This after is good. The interview, she sends a message um, that was an idea she'd had about that campaign. Um, it was saying, oh, you know what? I was thinking on the drive home about that, and you know, here's an idea for it. And that, for me, that kind of thing, it's, you know, somebody should be able to go home for the weekend, every weekend they're working and see something that just makes them say, oh, aha, that's, I have an idea that I've developed yes. something other than, oh, yep, Monday I'm going to have to go back. So, you know, if they're in marketing and they don't watch Super Bowl commercials, I don't care if you're B2B or B2C. Like, I, right. the, the deeper you get, the more you should watch the commercials and not care about the show um, and see what are they doing? Why are they doing it? And, you, still, you know, if they aren't really noticing those things, I've always thought it's it's a real red flag. Like, they're not actually thinking about this. They're stuff. not they curious. Really yeah. And they're not. Yes, absolutely. You want you want people who truly care. And if you truly care, you are thinking about it. Like they're not going to come up curious. with new solutions, basically. They're just going to carry out tasks and... Well, good. okay, that's such a good point because um, the that that's a huge piece of of what I would describe as a mindset component, right? People who have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And those who have a growth mindset are solutions oriented. They're not coming to you with a problem. They're coming to you with a solution. They live in the solutions room, not the situation room, so mm. to speak. And so they're constantly wanting to challenge themselves and to grow and to make things better. And and those types of people are are hard to find sometimes, truly. I mean, because a lot of times they're the leaders, right? They're that's the way the owner thinks. That's the way the leaders think. That's the way the C level thinks. But there are people who also have that it factor. 
and it's important to find them. And other important components of, of that mindset piece are just their self-discipline, their attitude overall, just their optimistic attitude, or how they display empathy um, to others, because that'll be important in interactions, uh, how competitive they are, how resourceful, how they take initiative, just their persistence. I mean, all of those areas are super critical in terms of mindset. So we've got to have questions around that. I want to uh, take a break here in a second, but I want to kind of load a teaser here for you. After the break, give me a couple questions, kind of your favorite interview questions, maybe unexpected type of interview questions, not the standard things people mm. prep for, but the right. uh, caught them off guard type interview questions. If you, if you have any of those that you could uh, throw out for us after the break and, um, We'll be right back. Yep, don't say it now. We'll, uh, we'll tease it, and then we'll uh, hit that again after the break. If you're thinking about measuring employee engagement in your organization, DecisionWise released its annual State of Employee Engagement Report, featuring 33 insights and five key findings to increase engagement. Check them out at decision-wise.com. Hi, welcome back. This is uh, Sky Cassidy. We're here with our guest, Jamie Crosby. Jamie, before the break... I had asked about some favorite interview questions. Um, so you've had a minute to think about it now. What are your favorite interview questions? Well, when it comes to interviewing people for marketing, I like to ask some specific questions as well as big picture questions to see where they take it. So, and, and this would be the skill set component. Uh, there's also the whole mindset component, which is separate. But in terms of the skill set component, one question I like is just, what do you believe are a few of the uh, most poignant marketing challenges today in the marketplace? And that would be a big picture question and just really wanting to see <coughs> what they touch on there and if they have a big picture perspective and uh, looking for answers, you know, really that, that touch on key issues like sales and marketing automation or metrics of success, uh, social marketing, uh, lead gen and qualified lead gen, uh, even talents and, and just resources. And then like we talked about earlier, just the sales and marketing collaboration. So, so kind of are, are they up to date and what's going on in, in the marketing right. in general at, at the time? Exactly, exactly. Um, and then even but taking it a step further, asking them to really elaborate on their responses and say, well, why is that important? Right? Because we want to see if they have the depth to support the question or, excuse me, to support the answer. Right. So not just an answer, but have they actually thought about, is this something they actually think about? Right. Right, right. And then the other thing I think is great. I mean, I, I could give you several questions. Uh, one I really like to ask is, how would you create a marketing plan or business plan for this specific role? Of course, each role would be different. And, you know, depending on their area of focus within marketing, but, you know, when, how would you go about creating a marketing plan uh, for this role or business plan for this role, so to speak? And, and then two, actually having them do so. And I think, would you leave the room and give them some time or would you send them home with like some homework to do that? I would send them home with homework. Um, that would be like, I liked them, they made it through this interview, and I really want to see how they now would put this into action. What would be your plan um, to be successful in this role? 
I'm immediately thinking, but then they could go look it up. But then I also think that's, that's what you exactly want to do, what yeah. I would do. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, but yeah, because I would look it up. So. Yeah, you yeah. know, but then the thing is, you're absolutely right. And um, which is why I like the first part of the question, how would you go about doing that? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So you can see how they think on their feet, but they will have access to look anything up in the real role. Uh, but once you are the to take it a step further, you're going through that plan with them. You want to ask right. them questions again. Tell me more about that. How would you do that? What would right. it tell you? So you'll know if they're not, uh, you know, if they don't have the authenticity and depth to support that. You'll know by going right. through that. Uh, well, but, and if you give them critiques and in the homework they're able to kind of adjust to it too, that would tell you a whole lot about them that's, you know, not even about their skills. That that would tell you about how well they take a critique and, um, yes. and implement. Yeah. So that'd be great. And then I guess I'm exactly. always worried about having enough comparison to know if something's good. Because you, mm. you see something, you think, oh, this is good. But if you don't have a lot of other versions of it, you know, so when well, I guess when companies right. are interviewing, if they're not specialized in a certain area, if you haven't interviewed a hundred people about marketing, then you don't really know where somebody stands in the field. You can think, oh wow, this person's smart, but they may actually be below average in their skills and in everything else. So I guess one of the benefits of using a specialist for this kind of hiring is you have the experience. When you sit down with somebody, the first person you interview for a job, it isn't like you have to. Uh, interview 10 more people to know if they have it, you know, if they're a great candidate because you've already interviewed hundreds of people in that kind of in that line of work. Absolutely. And that is, that's definitely true. And as well, when you are in, like for when we partner with companies and we present the top three candidates for that role, kind of the best of the best in the marketplace, they are able to compare this person. You know, we obviously specialize, so we've compared them against lots and lots of candidates, but they're able to still do that comparison with right. the best three. And it's important then to give all three the same assignment. And then they can compare within that assignment. Uh, so right. that's, that's really, that's important. The other thing is too, just asking questions that show how uh, they've measured things in the past that are important in marketing and, and, and just really seeing if they have a, a strength in understanding the big picture. How have you measured marketing tactics in lead generation in the past? Because um, you're really looking to address things that are always going to be the highest priorities for a CEO. Like, Revenue right. and you know uh, margin, cash flow, and then you know just looking at profit and ROI and how they're scoring uh, against you know their desired outcomes and uh, customer right. profiles and and things like that, or how they cooperate again with uh, sales and thing and you know functions within the company that are important. Also, you know how they're measuring customer acquisition costs, do they understand what that means? Mm, and, right. and so I think, you know, those are questions really related to understanding their past formula for success or metrics for success. I think also it's important to understand what they do to build. We talked to, you know, a little bit about how important it is for them to just be curious. And so what, what do they do? read? What forums do they attend or what blogs or sites do they read? And how do they increase their own business acumen? I think that's super yeah. important. 
We talked about that. And, you know, I think that lends itself really to what you have kind of given us a little preview of is really this mindset component. We've talked about the skill set component. And and I know that you're an expert on this mindset component and specifically um, your brand of it. So can you define it for us? And then we can talk about how to find it within candidates. Absolutely. So when I talk about and think about peak performance mindset, I think about maximizing our full potential, really uh, just to perform at our highest impact behavior. And so to me, it's, you know, what, what happens within cultures of peak performance mindset are people, is that people are being all that they can be. And uh, they've got that the confidence to do so, but they really also have the ability to just identify the roadblocks that we have mentally sometimes and and overcome those internal roadblocks to handle tough situations. So because our biggest, the biggest impact and the biggest thing holding us back for most of us to really being all that we can be in, in living in our full potential is our own selves. It's the stuff that goes on between our ears. So with peak performance mindset, we're really expanding our awareness about ourselves and operating at a higher level of just no limit thinking and perseverance. So it's kind of actively working on making yourself better, identifying areas that, that you need to work on and and making them better. Is that, uh, is that the right direction there? Yeah. And let me just add to that because this is interesting. Uh, we naturally have 60,000 thoughts a day that we're not even aware of most of them. So if, so mm. out of 60,000 thoughts a day that go through our heads, 80% of them, for most people, the natural bent is 80% of them are negative. Oh, wow. So that is astounding. And it's, and, and it's very interesting in these workshops. I'll tell you, we, it comes to mind very quickly and is is poignant because one of the first things I do when I'm speaking to an audience about peak performance mindset is ask for a volunteer Mm -hmm. to come up. And I could be in a room of CEOs, I could be in a room of CMOs, uh, you know, VPs of sales, sales leaders, marketing, whoever it is, the outcome is always the same. It could be 500 people in a room. You'll get one or two that will come forward to volunteer. And right. I will then ask what, if everyone can be totally honest right now in this moment, when I asked you to come up and volunteer and said, I need a volunteer, because by the way, just to interrupt myself for a moment, when the volunteer comes up, I ask their name. I say, thank you very much. You can be seated. Here's $100. So they have to do nothing. What? (laughs) Can I be a volunteer? So if anybody listening goes to one of Jamie's uh, events, yeah, volunteer. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Make sure you volunteer. I might have to. So, but I ask, what happened in your mind at that very moment when I asked for a volunteer? And, you know, if we're honest, it's people are afraid they're going to look stupid. They're not going to know the answer. It's, it's fear of failure. That's just a lizard brain, right? Saying there, there might be a line in the bush run kind of a thing. Exactly. Um, I mean, is that a lot of this is just kind of recognizing your, your prehistoric lizard brain brain and not, not acting on it, not, uh, it's, it's learning how to operate at a higher level. 
Yes, because it's our automatic mindset operating mode. And it naturally switches to negative until, and, and all these people are like, oh my gosh, that's so true. I was thinking that. And that's why I didn't volunteer. But how many other thoughts a day come into our mind like that that hold us back and keep yeah. us from maximizing our full potential? And think of it in sales and marketing roles, especially because, I mean, we, you know, we're really tied to revenue and results and there's a lot of pressure. And so we have to learn how to operate at a higher level and, and have that self-awareness and to be able to, to really engage what we call and teach our inner CEO that helps us switch from that automatic mindset operating mode into higher level thinking to maximize mm. our full potential. So there's lots of components to learning how to operate at that level. But obviously, a very important piece is just the awareness that that's what we're up against. And what we're up so against most of like all Jamie. is ourselves. Is there, it seems like there's two aspects here, what, what I'm hearing. There's kind of the recognizing your, your automatically functioning lizard brain reaction to stuff. But then also I feel like there's probably a lot of ego involved in there. Like over, if you have a lot of ego, you can't really address a lot of these things. You can't uh, – I, I didn't know it was involved with, with the peak performance mindset, but I was talking to somebody just recently about – developing techniques to make themselves better at things. And I told them, um, you know, when you want to get up in the morning, you set an alarm typically, right? Most people do. Some people know they're going to get up. They trust themselves to get up because they have a history of it. But generally you say, you know what? I'm not good enough to just get up at 530 tomorrow instead of my normal seven because I know I want to. I need to set an alarm. So, But somebody who had a huge ego might say, oh, no, I'll I'll get up whenever I need to get up. Uh, You know, I'm not going to have an alarm tell me when to get up. I mean, I think most people would set the alarm, but the idea is that the alarm would help you to get up and and we don't – we don't go into something that would be brand new right. for us. The point of the alarm is it's a mechanism you're setting up outside yourself because you know right. you can't trust yourself in that in that space. So I guess I'd say in the peak performance mindset stuff, is there a lot of, of that, of kind of setting up outside mechanisms to you know overcome where you may be not – your natural self might not do something the way you want to do it? Right. How do you engage in that – positive self-activation, for example, in that case, you know, waking up at a certain time, making sure you get enough sleep and making writing down notes to remind yourself, anything like that. Or just one of the things, you know, positive affirmations. How do you, how do you affirm yourself and start the day in that way? It's, it's living with intention. It also, there's a big component to it that is recognizing your why, right? What are your biggest dreams and goals? And when you know your why, the bigger the why, and you know, we all work, right? But why are we really doing it? But when we, and when we know that bigger picture, the bigger the why, the bigger our try and the better the how. So it's, it's specifically intentionally living according to goals, maximizing our full performance, understanding how our mindset was developed and through our, you know, through growing up, through teachers, coaches, mentors, people who have imprinted upon our lives, and and how we grow and develop our mindset, and frankly, that we don't have to live with some of the stuff that maybe we that was influencing our mindset at younger ages. That we don't have to accept that, and and that we can flip those scripts 
And then really a lot of us, when you understand how we have those natural negative thoughts, you start catching your your self-talk, your negative self-talk. So tools to, again, change that and uh, really self-regulate, making sure that your behavior is consistent with your goals. Or like you said, setting the alarm, you know, how do I stay mindful in this moment? How do I intentionally not let my mind wander off to these areas of which cause negativity in my life. It's crazy. There's right. a stat and I think it's about 40% at 40% of our time is spent worrying about things that never happen. It's just such yeah, a waste. I can, I can believe that. It's yeah. super sad, but I can totally believe that. And you know, these are such important things and I'm so interested to dig into how, you know, we personally can cultivate that. Um, and how we can cultivate that in our marketing teams. But before we even get these people on our teams, we need to make sure that they have it in the hiring process to go back to what we've been talking about. How do we dig through the hiring process to make sure that we're getting people who are at the very least capable of getting to the peak performance mindset, if not already in it? Is that right. is that a mindset they already have? Is it about just general intelligence? Kind of what what do you look for? for people that could, that, you know, can be trained to do better, I guess you'd say. Right, right. Well, it's interesting because I do believe everyone can be trained to do better in this area. Uh, but I've met some questionable people. I don't know. Right. And there are some, there, <laughs> there are definitely, you know, some people who just don't have the it factor and they never will. Right. However, I will say that most of the time companies spend investing in their people is based on skill sets and not mindset. So it definitely is an area that can be improved. But in interviewing, you really want to look for some key components that show these types of attributes like self-discipline and optimism and competitiveness and resourcefulness and initiative and persistence. These are, these are things that you can see in people who have the right mindset. One thing is, and, you know, people who are optimizing their performance and, and really living out a peak performance mindset, they're very clear about living with specific goals in mind. And, you know, most people don't write down their goals, but people who are peak performers, they write down their goals. They know what they are. They're not just professional. They're personal. They can describe them to you. They know their right. why behind them. They know their formula for success to get to them. So asking them, you know, specifically, just tell me about the goals that you have in your life. What are you focused on right, right now? Do you have them written down? And and how often do you, how do you make sure you live them out? You know, you want to look for people who are talking about, I have an accountability partner or I review them monthly and I make sure that I specifically write the things that I want to do into my, you know, schedule so that I live it out. And asking people just open-ended questions. Could you describe your self-discipline? How do you make and keep commitments to yourself? Or how do you maintain an optimistic attitude and inspire yourself to really you know, be all that you can be or improve and grow? So and in that area, can you give an example, like somebody maintaining an optimistic attitude? I feel like a lot of people will have answers for those kind of questions. And right. you know, somebody might just say, oh, I just, that's just how I am. I'm optimistic, I'm you know, I'm great. I feel like that's an answer, right. but it shows yeah. they don't actually right. have a, they haven't come up with a process for helping themselves maintain that. 
Yes, 100%. Is that what you're looking for? Look for? Is that, yeah. So what kind of answers are we I would look for something for? with depth. I would look for, I have a few key people in my life that I share things with and help, and you know, that help hold me accountable to get me back on track when things You'd mention accountability partners. Is that what you're talking about here? And That's something yeah, that... Uh, it could be that. It could be a mentor. And I meet regularly with my mentor. We meet once a month and we talk about challenges and ways that I can grow. Or I daily start my day with positive self-affirmations. I mean, it could be I do... I meditate daily just to kind of get my head clear when I'm having a, you know, a challenge or when I'm having something that causes negativity in my life, I attack it head on. I write down a plan, uh, but not just, I'm just happy. (laughs) Right, right. Right. So quick question. I feel like in most TV shows from the nineties, possibly on, uh, the main character always had an accountability partner. Um, but it was usually a bartender. A bartender. They were always hanging out in a cool, empty bar. And there was a super, yeah. There was a super wise bartender that they would just run everything by, and that would hold them, you know, accountable. And, and uh, yeah, that's super funny. Um, or like a hairstylist, perhaps, or right. something like Maybe, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always something like that. I think that's probably not the best accountability partner. You know, I'm not sure that's exactly what I mean here. <laughs> <laughs> something that I think I might be interested in, especially at any level that's not entry, um, is finding out if they're doing any mentoring. Because to me, if they're able to do the mentoring too, that shows a level A. They've, you know, e- even if it was just dropped into their laps, they're intentionally now following up with that and giving something to other people. But that means that they're actually having to teach what they know and think through things in a way that maybe they wouldn't have if they weren't doing that mentoring. And so, I don't know, I feel like that is actually kind of a good indicator. What do you think, Jamie? I do too, yeah, because if they, it's it's both giving and receiving, right? Right, um, right. I Actually, I do have a mentor and I also mentor someone. And so, yeah. I do think it's very much reciprocal and you you look for people to be a part of your organization or a part of your life where it would be a a reciprocal relationship and that would illustrate that that person truly does believe in it uh, because they're not only receiving it but they're they're doing that and also just you know that's a really great point because how empathy is a huge piece of success and and people who are able to show care and concern for others and really walk Mm. in their shoes, both in sales and marketing, are able to develop really strong relationships and have greater success. So, um, you know, just really trying to understand how, how individuals are able to do that within the workplace. Also, just that the spirit of competitiveness, and it's not so much with the other people on the team, but just that the fire inside of them and what inspires you? How do you ignite that competitive fire within you just to stay driven and excited? And tell me about a time where you had to be extremely resourceful to get through a challenging situation and to Mm -hmm. uh, achieve an objective at work. Um, And then really uh, persistence is a great piece as well to dig into. Go ahead. I've got four things that I've kind of randomly come up with. Um, when I'm interviewing that I look for. And then before I get to those, let me say, um, 
Do you ever, do you use gotcha questions or what I call the um, Columbo uh, attack on people ever in interviews? I think in the past um, you've actually talked about blue sky questions, maybe. Yes, yes, right. yes. And the Columbo is when people are leaving. You let them go, you shake their <laughs> hand, and then as they're going out the door, wait a second, one more question. That's, That's the Columbo. <laughs> uh, in case anybody's not familiar with that show. Um, but I so first, really nerd in the room. do you recommend those kind of techniques at all? Do you use them at all? And then I do. I've I got think to it's going to kind of throw people off a little bit. I do. Whether it's the blue sky question or the Columbo question at the very end, I think it's good to to throw them off um, and take them off guard. And it, you really don't even care what the answer is. You want to see how they maintain their composure. And and if they ask questions back, I mean, really, that, that shows you a lot. Like, I think we talked about, you know, we might ask someone a random question, the blue sky question, like, how do you build a boat? And you're really, you're, you're looking that. for their poise, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't know. You just want to see if they can maintain <laughs> their composure and poise and if they ask you questions back to understand better and it's just really such those both of those types of questions show people who are thinking clearly and they have that level of self-awareness and problem solving and and really even more so just a great sense of humor and so and and same with just like so what do you do for fun I mean just something on the way out out the door or you know what would your best friend say about you or just random things that kind of get them completely off guard and uh, are able to, to tell you a lot more about a person than the canned interview questions. Okay. So the, then the next thing I had was I've got these four characteristics that I've developed that I look for, but we're, we have, I think we have a lot more to talk um, with you about what I'd like to do is split our conversation into two uh, two episodes. So anybody uh, who's listening, um, we're gonna have this episode, and then next week um, we will uh, we'll release the next half of kind of this conversation. So maybe we'll take another really quick break here, and then uh, when we come back, I'll we'll jump in and um, I will start with uh, kind of the four characteristics that I look for in uh, in leaders within a company, and then um, you. You let me know what I should be adding to that, or how I should be uh, how I should be looking at those uh, those characteristics, maybe. Yeah, and then we'll get the chance to talk about how to kind of grow the peak performance mindset for our list. You know, our listeners can cultivate that themselves, and how we can grow that in our teams. Um, and I'm super excited. Thank you for being here this far and sticking with us, Jamie. Absolutely, my pleasure. It's been great. Okay. Um, if and you we'll... can't wait till next week to get more, then you can find her on Twitter at JM Crosby, or you can find their website at proactivate.com. All right. For everybody listening, it'll be uh, next week when we pick up the next half of this. And for uh, Jamie and Alicia and I, it'll be in about five minutes. <laughs> A quick word from our sponsor. Effective marketing starts with good data. At Mountaintop Data, we are experts at developing and maintaining high-quality marketing lists. With tens of millions of highly accurate records and more data being added daily, we're sure to have the contacts you need. Learn more at mountaintopdata.com. 
Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Elephant Test. Check out the show notes at elephanttest.com. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here at The Elephant Test. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.